3: Please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr, and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today, in the Zoom room, I'm joined by a beautiful screen full of some of the graduates' group tonight. And uh, we're recording this special little podcast, especially for you guys. I've had some requests lately for people asking about Danny, can you do a podcast on relationships and how my relationship might be affected or my partner still drinks what should I do about that and various different comments like that so tonight we're doing a special episode on that the reason I'm getting all the grads in is because we all have very different experiences we all have different relationships I'm actually not one to really comment on my partner still drinks other than my own perspective but obviously from where I've come from my partner quit with me so and it changed our relationship in a very positive way, which is very well documented on this podcast. A few weeks ago, we did this call with the grads group, actually. We had this conversation, so that's also what sparked me to do this conversation tonight. So basically, what we're going to do is go around the room tonight and speak to some of the different grads. Not everyone's here, of course, tonight on the call, but just to get some different perspectives and points of view, what we did find in our call on the graduates group call a few weeks ago was a mixed bag some people their relationship had improved greatly some people had started sober and then their partner joined them later on some a year down the track some a few months down the track some partners had reduced their alcohol intake considerably some people broke up because their relationship just sort of it it caused i guess too much of a divide between the, the two people or the two people kind of changed so much it was also really scary Tonight, we're going to delve into that and see how the sobriety has affected each relationship. I'm going to hit it over to you, Sarah, from Canberra first. How are you, Sarah? I'm well, thanks, Danny. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining tonight. So tell me, Thank how you. long have you been sober for now?
4: Coming up to two years. Two years. I did your October 21 course. Prior to that, I did Dry July 10 times and... The dry July of 21 led into dry August and mostly a dry September, but mm-hmm. we went into lockdown in Canberra in September and i drunk two nights in September. So I can't really say I started properly until I did your course at the beginning of October 21. Right.
3: Okay. Awesome. And was your partner drinking, like were you both drinking at the time when you quit?
4: Yes. Yes. We were both drinking. Yeah but very different drinking. He has always drunk beer and I have never drunk beer. So he would drink beer and like a wine chaser, whereas I just never, never drunk beer. So yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: yeah. Yeah. Okay. And how did your sobriety affect your relationship?
4: We have been together for 20 years. And when we first met, he was drinking a lot more than me initially. So he was using alcohol as a stress coping mechanism in a very, very stressful job. And over the 20 years that we were together, his drinking declined, whereas mine increased. So by the time we got to 2021 with me, he was drinking maybe twice a week, maybe a can of beer every sort of third day, very very minimal compared to me who was drinking up to a bottle, bottle and a half of wine a night. Can I ask a question? When you said that your drinking
3: increased and his declined. Was that because he was like someone was having to keep it together or was was that a reaction to your drinking or was that just the way it evolved for him?
4: It was the way it evolved for me. I've had my twins at 36 and found that incredibly strong. I didn't start drinking till I was really in my late 20s, early 30s, so heavily, really heavily. And so for me, it was my coping mechanism of being a mother and just really struggling with that environment leaving work that I loved and struggling with that environment so it was more it's more his his decreased it evolved naturally whereas mine just increased because of my situation and what I was trying to block out basically
3: Yeah yeah okay and so how did it sort of look for you guys when you decided to quit and then you became the person who wasn't shrinking at all what effect did that have on the relationship if any When
4: To quit, I kept it really quiet, even from him. I just didn't make a big deal about doing the course with you and just sort of kind of did it really quietly and just got on with it. Because when I did the course, I didn't know, I didn't have an end point in the course and I'd never thought I'll never drink again when I do this course. I just didn't know, was I going to do this course for three months and then start again? Was I going to give it six months, give it 12 months? It was just an open ended thing for me. And as it became apparent during the three months of the course and then moving on from there, it just was never, that's it for me, full stop. So he is thrilled at my lack of my non-drinking because he sees how much I'm just a completely better person and how it's changed our lives. It's changed my life because I'm just better at everything in my life. Every aspect of my life has changed for the positive and he loves that about me and loves that in our relationship that it's just become so less volatile so less of a mess like I was just a mess Mm. at the end like just drinking every night I was in bed by eight o'clock I was just not functioning in the household I was getting up every morning and going to the gym and getting the kids ready for school and getting myself off to work in a very high functioning job and then when five o'clock hit I'd come home and get dinner on, feed the kids as quick as possible. And I'd have a bottle of wine during that time. And then I'd be out like a light and that was it. So I've become so much more efficient. I do so much more. We go out so much more because I drive everywhere. Everything has opened up because of my not drinking everything. Everything's changed for the positive. So he's really loves it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's so nice to, because like everyone has such a different experience, but it is so nice for, to hear that as well, that there are some partners out there that are really supportive of that. And of course, yeah, that's not not everyone's situation, but that's so great. Is he still drinking now? Sorry.
4: Yes, he still drinks. Yes. Do you have an expectation of, of him to stop? No, no, it doesn't bother me anyway at all that he drinks. He drinks yeah as I said maybe two cans of beer on a Saturday like he's watching the footy or if we go out to the theater he will get a glass of champagne it doesn't bother me in the slightest at all and sometimes just the other day we were at the theater and he's like I've just got to nick to the loo and so I got a champagne for him and a water for me I bought it Ooh, and wow. sometimes if I'm at the shops yeah and I know there's a certain type of wine that he likes he looks after his own beer because I don't do the beer but he If I know that he's running low on his wine, I might, if I'm buying some non alcoholic drinks, I might get him a case of his wine. So it literally, I do not care at all that he drinks whatsoever. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. The wine is kept in the fridge even still. And I look at it and it just doesn't, because it's just so far off my, it's all about, it's so far off my radar drinking that it just doesn't even enter my head that it doesn't bother me one little bit. Wow. And early on, was there still wine in the fridge? Maybe not early on when I was doing the course. I don't recall seeing it. He wasn't so blatant about it back then, but now that he Mm. knows that this is the journey that I'm on and this is where I'm at and this is how I comfortably feel about it. It's just, it's a non-issue.
3: Yeah. Okay. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now I do want to sort of add to that, that for those people that are listening or the people that are also in this call tonight that if that's not how it was for you, like if you had to put a ban on alcohol on the house, that's also fine. So I know for some people they've had to say their partners, no, no alcohol can come into their house. And that's also fine because it's it's I guess it's about knowing what's going to work for you and what's not. And like Sarah, how you said that early on perhaps maybe there wasn't the booze in the house and now it's okay for it to be there. Like I've got some cooking wine in my cupboard now and that's fine. It doesn't doesn't bother me. So there, it's been there forever. It's probably moldy. If it goes moldy, I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I know it doesn't bother me. So for people listening, don't, uh, it's really important that if you just hear someone say something and you think, oh shit, maybe I should be doing that too. That's definitely not the case. This is, everyone's very different. Everyone's very individual. And it's about knowing your own needs and, and what works for you. I love that as well, Sarah, because you're kind of, you are sticking to your own lane and this is very much your journey. You're not expecting him to give up the booze
4: just because you are. I think that's a really important message for this call. Can I add, his drinking has never been, is not his drinking in the last 10 years is not a problem. You know what I mean? He wasn't drinking, like I was drinking excessively every night. He wasn't, and that's the difference. If he was a different kind of drinker, maybe I would have expectations for him to manage his health better. But the way it is now, he's drinking, it's not out of control like mine was. Yeah, He can have a good bottle of wine in the fridge that lasts for three or four or five nights. One of those people.
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah,
4: yeah.
3: Okay, awesome. That's awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much for sharing. That's great. I guess my thoughts on that are, I guess, just like what I said, and like knowing yourself and knowing what works for you. And also it's very, I think this journey is a very personal one and it's very much about staying in your own lane. Like it's fine to have boundaries, which we'll get into later into the call. Because some people have to put a very strong boundary if their partner's still drinking. That's really important as well. And that's part of knowing yourself. But also, it's really important that we do stay in our own lane. Just because we are doing something, it's got to always stay about us. I think that's really important that just because we're stopping something doesn't mean we should put that on to our partners, really. That really needs to, they need to come at it in their own good time. And I think if we can just, be our best selves and present our best selves and we're being happy and we're in a better place, hopefully that will perhaps rub off on them at some point, but without this expectation of them that they need to do it just because we are, I think it's really important. That's kind of what I say to people in response to that, depending on the situation, I guess. Okay. Jade, how about you? How are you? I'm well, thanks, Danny. How are you? I'm so fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for joining tonight. It's good to see your face. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. So tell me how long you've been sober for, geez, quite a while now. How long? Over 16 months. Over Over 16 months. months. So awesome. Good on you. Coming up to 500 days pretty soon. That's so brilliant. Good on you. Congratulations. Tell me, was your partner drinking?
1: Yes, my partner was drinking. So I met my partner when I trekked to Everest Base Camp. So he was my Sherpa. And so he wasn't a big drinker. Like he can't really afford, well, he could not afford to drink very much when he was in Nepal. So when he came to Australia, the way of him to settle into Australia and become part of the Australian culture was to drink beers with the family and the friends and everything. So that's what, and at the time I was a big drinker, so that was also what I was doing. And yeah, so he drank, but he would always drink mid-strength and he would never drink too much. And he got hangovers quite easily but he was always drinking so he believed that that was the way to be welcomed into Australian culture and let's be fair it really was and it worked very well for him and he was welcomed with open arms because he had a couple of beers. So we got married seven years ago yeah so we had many years where he would he would drink come out and have a couple of beers he never drank anywhere near as much as what I did and never drank as regularly as what I did but still socially feels that he needs to drink socially and he's still drinking now he hasn't been that supportive as such. He's very much just like what you said before. It, it's your choice. It's your decision. If you feel that it's going to be good for you, you can do it. But it's not for me to say whether you should or you shouldn't or you shouldn't. That's really his his attitude. Like when I hit a major milestone, he's like, yeah, well done. That's great. But it surprises me. He doesn't really see as much change in me as what I see, find in myself, which can be a little bit, a little mm. bit frustrating because I feel that I'm so much calmer and so much easygoing and get stressed a lot less. So I would think that he'd be able to see that and he doesn't really necessarily see it as much as what I do. So that can be a little bit frustrating for me.
3: That's a big one, isn't it? When your partner doesn't quite see the changes or like it's nice that he celebrates the milestones with you, but when they don't kind of pick up on what we're putting down in a good way, it's, yeah, it can be a bit triggering. And how do you kind of support yourself through
1: that? I guess it's just going back to it is my journey and it is for me. And I probably do look at it and say, well, why can't, like, is there something about it that maybe he can't see? Maybe I haven't changed as much externally as what I have internally. So it's something for me just to reflect on, but I know categorically that it's, I'm a much better person or I feel a lot better without alcohol in my life. So I won't be going back, but it's just interesting when people don't necessarily pick up on, on what you're feeling inside people who live with you every day. So I do find that a little bit frustrating.
3: Yeah, yeah. That is hard, isn't it? When I can totally understand that when we don't feel quite so celebrated. But what is important is that how you feel about yourself on the inside. And I guess that's the most important opinion or relationship that we have really is the one with ourselves. But
1: with him still drinking, does that bother you at all? It hasn't been bothering me. And because he's just not a big drinker and I I can't see the impact alcohol has on him is nowhere near the impact it was having on me. And he can just have one beer and be perfectly happy with that. I do notice, I do find it a bit upsetting that he doesn't really feel like he can go out and socialize without alcohol. So sometimes if he doesn't want to drink or he has to work the next day, he doesn't come out to events because he doesn't want to go without having a drink. And I just find that a little bit sad. It's, it's just like, I, I'd like you to kind of get to the point where it's not so much of a big deal. And because probably because I I know now that I've got myself to that point, Mm. I do find that a little bit sad. And sometimes when he drinks too much, like he generally only has a couple of drinks here and there, but if he does drink too much and he gets a little bit out of control or gets a bit argumentative, I find that quite difficult to deal with. Probably because before I was a lot more drunk than he was, so I never really noticed it. So now I'm like quite frustrated by it. It's like, yeah look just stop just stop being so argumentative go to bed or I'm going to bed or something's happening we're not continuing down this track so in those circumstances when he does get messy I do find it difficult and I'm as part of this journey I try very hard not to be judgmental of other people and what because I've been there and I get why people mm. are there mm. but it does become difficult when they're messy and you're just like oh can you please just stop stop arguing with me stop just leave me alone <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah. Now, this is really important because, as like you said, he doesn't drink that much, but then obviously he has these nights where he drinks a bit and it leads into arguments and we've all been there. Do you put a boundary or is there something that – like how do you handle that? Because that would be fucking really hard, I imagine, when yeah. someone's
1: there and you're not there. Yeah, it is. And what I generally do is hop- – <laughs> It's going to sound bad. Pop him in his little room with his YouTube videos. Like if we've come home, just pop him in his little room with his YouTube videos and a, and a beer and then I go to bed and then I know that he'll either watch his YouTube videos with his beer and maybe pass out or whatever, but he won't. Like I kind of know what's going to calm him down to a point where I don't really have to listen to him. God, that sounds bad.
5: <laughs>
1: and is he in the doghouse the next day or what? No, not really. It's very hard to put Gabinder in the doghouse. He's just such a lovely man that he just, you you just kind of go, like he he would, like if he was like that the next day, if I said to him, you behaved really badly, you said this to me and it really upset me, it would be an immediate apology and I'm very sorry. And and generally speaking, he'll probably be, he would be in a blackout situation when he behaves like that. So he will apologize profusely and say, he's never drinking alcohol again. (laughs) (laughs) That old chestnut. Yeah, that old chestnut. But, yeah, but, like, I I do let him know that it it did upset me. But still, even that, that kind of also grates on me a little bit because I was the person who always hated being told what I did when I was drunk. Yeah, I think, but still, it's important to, I mean, that's part of what we learn, right, is to learn to be
3: truthful with our feelings and accept and be responsible for our feelings, but also to express them. So I think that is really important. And, okay, I'm going to ask, I'm going to put this one on you, Jade. Like, what would you say then to people who are listening who they're sober and their partner's still blackout out drinking and it
1: causes some arguments sometimes and whatnot, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think I would give them the advice to let them know that it's upsetting them. So to open the lines of communication. Yeah. So thanks, you just solved that little problem for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like open the lines of communication. Maybe if you know it's going to be a situation where they're going to get drunk, maybe you don't go out with them if they're going out with their friends or whatever. Putting your boundaries in place so that you... Protect your sobriety, but also you don't need to be around people like that. Like I, there's a lot of people who I'm not around. Other people in my life, I'm not around if they're drinking. Mind you, having said that, there's a lot of people who I'm still around when they drink, and it's okay. And you know, we can kind of, yeah, it's a circumstance, right? And we don't nec- and this is the problem with alcohol, we don't necessarily know where it's going to end up until we get there. So it's just mm-hmm. being honest and open and and aware of your feelings and probably looking into them a little bit more. It's only been recently that I've noticed. I was very much, yep, yeah, he can drink or not drink. I really don't care. And, I, and I'm very much of the fact I can't change him if he doesn't want to change. It's nothing I can do about it other than model the behavior. And sometimes he does say to me, like, you know, you, you don't drink anymore and it's and, and it's working well for you. And it does give him some thoughts about that, but he hasn't actually, despite all that I'm never drinking again, he hasn't actually strung together any meaningful days. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's around when you're seeing patterns and when you're noticing your own behavior, just... Being curious, being curious and compassionate about what that actually means and what might be coming up for you. Mm,
3: Absolutely, that's that's great. That's great advice. Obviously, with Ashley, doesn't drink, but I do have a family member who's very addicted to other substances. I have this boundary because it causes bad behaviour, and so I make it very clear if I'm going to be spending time with them. So it's different because we're not in a relationship like that. But I make it very clear. I say, "I love you." I know that you're using again at the moment. And if I am in a situation with you and I start to feel that that's affecting your behavior and that starts to affect me, I'm out the door. And I make that really clear and I stick to it too. Like I just had to leave there. I was just there recently and I had to get out. So it's, it's really important as well. Like if you feel that their behavior is affecting you and I think there's nothing wrong with putting a very firm boundary to say, this is what seems to keep on repeatedly happening. Perhaps if you're going to do that, you need to do it elsewhere. And then come back to me tomorrow. Yeah, that's sort of how I would also see it too. And then, of course, Jade, like you said, like express your feelings, express how you feel about it, about how it's impacted you. Because it's not nice when someone turns and you're copying the brunt of it. So this is not just for you, Jade. This is for everyone yeah, obviously. absolutely. It's hard to deal with and it can affect our self-esteem and all sorts of things. So I think it's really important to express your needs and to say how that's affected you. Yeah, thanks for sharing. That's pleasure, amazing. Okay, great, awesome. I'm going to head over to Alicia because I know you're going to have some great insights here.
6: Hi, hello. Good. Now, how long you've been sober for? Feels like forever. Um, I think I might be a couple of days either side of Jade. So 16 months, just about. Just under the 500, So, yeah, yeah, amazing. Congratulations. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm super pumped that you're
3: here on this particular episode too because I know that with you, you and your hubby were very much drinking buddies together and he kind of – Yeah. And you did feel that void of, like, okay, what do we do with each other now? And that you yeah. felt a bit of that. Well, I'm not going to talk for you, sorry. Yeah. Tell us about
6: your experience. Well, we met at the pub. And it just sort of continued and I guess my relationship with alcohol wasn't probably, I wasn't a massive drinker and I could go and do stints without drinking quite regularly. But once kids got in the the picture, it just became an activity that was really easy to do while having children and then the stresses of adult life and then COVID. Although I must, I can't blame COVID. It was definitely something that was a problem beforehand. But in terms of my relationship with my partner, he switched to mid-strength beer, which was a massive game changer. And I think socially for men, it's a huge change when they do that. But I was always a wine drinker and then it got more difficult because I would match drink for drink. And so he would have three or four beers at night and I'd be having a bottle of wine and we just, yeah, it was just, it wasn't an even match and then on the weekends he would drink more obviously and then I'd be yeah and as I was getting older it was just affecting me more and more and I'd had a million day ones so it was really yeah once I finally made the decision that it was for me this particular topic really was probably the biggest challenge for me not for him like I'd really changed the rules and he wasn't playing the game anymore Which I totally respect now, now that I've got time, there's been some distance between that decision. I that's his choice. And I totally respect that as well. He drinks differently to the way that I sort of ended up. And I mean, I probably wish he drank less, but again, that's that's something for him and I'm okay with it. Our relationship was fundamentally really good, even when we were drinking. So I think that's probably a big one that if a relationship's not healthy, and, and that might be all sorts of different reasons for that, whether it's just not a solid relationship or it's abusive or which which mine certainly isn't, but I grew up in a household that alcohol made my dad really abusive. So I've, I've seen that as well. But I think once you become sober and you can step outside of your relationship a bit, then that would be a reason to probably go, oh, well, this isn't worth getting through this difficult change. I think I change the rules, and I fully accept that. But because my relationship is fundamentally really good, it's worth working through. Mm, absolutely. So I remember at
3: one point in the challenge where you felt like I'm trying to remember exactly, but I remember that what you would sort of approached with a group in the Facebook group was that it was like, oh, how do I connect? How do we connect now? Because we used to sit out in the back by the pool and, and drink beers together, or yeah. However that looked, and yeah how do I connect now like you felt that kind of missing and that's so important
6: and it's so, really yeah and it that's probably something that like will never get perfect it will always change and we spend so much time together like it's we work together we live together we raise kids together like on the surface we spend every waking moment together but then it can get to the end of the day and it's like well we haven't actually spoken to each other about anything meaningful or the time we've spent together is actually it's not helpful so we try and like we do try and do things together like we are so opposite he hates walking he hates like (laughs) we struggle to find common ground or I walk too fast those sorts of (laughs) so I guess we try and have simple fun like we'll I don't know we go to the gym together or something like that so like it's just going to be a constant work in progress but um and I try and communicate if I'm feeling like it's not working because I like to bottle things up and then all of a sudden I'll have this massive explosion and he gets really defensive and so it's probably better if I communicate more regularly without whinging but I don't feel like we're connected here I don't feel like feel like you've drunk more this week or and and sometimes that's just on me it's just my perception but if I let it stew and fester then i'll have a massive explosion that's
3: awesome thank you so much for sharing that and it's like what you said is really really important like finding other ways to connect with each other so we used to have this connection with alcohol now how do we connect so finding those things where it's common ground where it's not like you charging head going around the botanical gardens 50 miles an hour because you are very fast i've walked with you before you you, you've got a good pace on you (laughs) but yeah finding those things that you have in common. And I spoke with Michelle McDonald's husband, James, we had this similar conversation for this podcast as well. And he always said the same thing as that, that there's, it's finding other ways in which you can connect with each other. When booze was the thing that you had in common, I guess that, and it like, I get that too, where you said it's felt like you changed the rules. I think it's really important to have also some compassion for our partners yeah. when we, we change it because. They didn't necessarily sign up for this and, no. and they're
6: losing their drinking buddy as well. And, and I think yeah. I was always hoping for this miracle. Like I'm sure I even contacted you before I did the challenges. And I I know that that was something I was always searching for before I committed to changing for myself was I wanted this miracle answer or cure or solution to this. Is it a problem? I don't know. This, this kind of topic, I guess, for me was a, a big one. And I guess now 16 months in and still with a healthy relationship with my partner, the answer is there isn't an answer and it's just communicating and life's different. Sometimes it's a bit difficult, sometimes it's not, but I'm definitely a better person and he sees it's nice when that's acknowledged or or noticed. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think it's just a different, it's just a change and acknowledging that that's a change and sometimes having patience and compassion for that.
3: Mm,
6: amazing. Can I ask you, you don't have to answer this, yeah. and feel
3: free if anyone else wants to jump in on this question. Sober sex, do you find that being sober changed your sex life? Because I find, all right, I'm just going to say it here on this podcast too, <laughs> all these <laughs> listeners, but it's, it's definitely not as, as cray cray as it was before.
6: It's not- <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. No, so it's not as crazy. I think like you feel like a virgin again at first. It's like, Oh, hang on. I I felt very vulnerable, but then if they've had a few drinks, well, what does it matter? Like <laughs> it's. Yeah, it is what it is. I, I think it's easier than what I would find sober dating to be. And and that's just my take on it. I feel like we've got kids. We've, he's been at the births. He's seen the best, the worst. What's the worst that can happen? Like, he'll remember if I farted halfway through. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think one thing we do have in our relationship is we, we do have a good laugh. So, Yeah, it's again, it's just another example of things are different and that's okay. Yeah, it's just allowing the differences to be
3: there. I guess if both parties feel okay and I think it's very important that the communication stays open. So also this is not for you, Alicia, but for people listening, it's really important to keep checking in with your partner too. Not that we don't want to go and change what we're doing for ourselves if they're not feeling great about it, but just to keep the conversation going, I think, it's, it's still important to hear what they've got to say yeah and just just keep talking about it just keep the
6: conversation flowing about and just, it yeah. like also I know that after work or whatever we used to have this real routine of sitting down and having a couple of drinks and and winding down for the day and as much as I don't really feel like I need the alcohol-free drinks anymore I don't even want them a lot of the time it's important for my partner to have them in the house because it gives him that sense of routine. We still get to wind down. And a lot of the times I'll say, Oh, just actually can I just have a soda water or something else? But I think for our routine and his routine, it was it's really important. And he will actually buy me some sometimes. And it's the last thing I feel like that I'm just like, oh, it was a really nice gesture. So I'm gonna I'm gonna force down a drink I don't want. Just oh, just because it sweet. was a nice yeah. A nice
3: yeah. gesture. That is really nice too. Like if your partner's making that effort to go out of their way to buy you an alcohol free option, even if it tastes like cat's piss, I reckon still give it still drink. It. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Alicia. That's, That's amazing. Okay. Thank
5: you so much. Okay. So next, I'm going to head over to Deb. Hey, Deb. How are you? Hi, Danny. How are you? Thanks oh, for having me on your podcast. That's
3: all right. You're so welcome. So, Deb, tell us how do you feel like your sobriety changed your
5: relationship? Did it lift the veil or what happened for it you? Completely lifted the veil to a person or to who Deb used to be. So, I was high, mm. I felt like I've been hiding behind alcohol for a very long time. Wow. And being on the sobriety journey has opened. So many avenues and possibilities for such a a different life, and it takes me right back to probably when when I was thirty, even before I met my husband, and I was a different person. I was Deb, and I was enjoying life, and I was very different back then. I think I've what I've found that getting married and everything was uh, all a a security thing for me. Oh wow! Okay, so. When you're kind of finding you're getting married,
3: perhaps, I'm not saying this, but for some people it could be like getting married for the wrong reasons, that yeah. we kind of find ourselves in a situation where we might not have been so happy perhaps, or it's not what we thought it was going to be, or it didn't fill that void in us that was perhaps mm-hmm. there. And then realizing once we, we fill it up with alcohol, mm-hmm. and then once we take the alcohol out again, the void is still there, lo and behold. Mm-hmm. And Mm. so sometimes it reveals that, that there is a big void in this relationship and perhaps alcohol was filling that void. And that's no fault of the husband's or the wife. Sometimes if it's a husband Mm. that's noticing that. It's no fault of theirs. It's actually that something that was within us, there was a void that was within us that we were hoping would fill from some external, whether it was the husband or the alcohol. And now it's like, okay, it's here and now I've got to deal with this. And perhaps i have to deal with it on my own. Or with you, Deb, obviously you guys are going your separate ways. Do you have a real peace with that? Like now that you're kind of doing a lot of work on yourself and
5: and how do you feel about it? I do feel at peace with myself. I feel that being married was a whole process or building a, a stepping stone for my next chapter in my life, which I feel really good about. It's prepared me for what's next. And I know that I'm blossoming into a different person, or even the person that I was back. Well, you know, even my inner child is coming out, blossoming. I I, mm-hmm. I know that there is in there the person that I used to be. I'm really really starting to enjoy spending time with myself and looking forward to the future. Yeah, amazing, Deb. Without without alcohol and yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that's so fantastic, Deb. It is important. There's
3: so many people that their relationship doesn't last sometimes when we go sober because like I say, if there was a void there initially, and most people know it too. Probably in pre marriage, they kind of know, but they just choose to ignore. And so some you know, obviously there's going to be those changes. And for some people that stops them going sober because they know that if they take out the booze, they're going to be left with, I've got to face this void. That's here in my marriage, so that's amazing, Deb. Thank you so much for for sharing that. I know it's a big share, and thank you so much for that. Thanks, Danny. Thank you. Uh, what about Nicola? Hi, Danny. Hello. How are you? All the way from the UK. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. So good to see you. So tell us about you. So how long have you been sober now?
7: I was just looking it up, actually. Um, Two
3: hundred thirty-two days. So Ooh, seven months, so cool. twenty days. Love seeing everyone's yeah. clapping. The yeah. listeners can't see, but everyone's giving little little bulb claps. That's so great. Well done. Two hundred and thirty two days. That's so fantastic. So tell us about you as your partner is he a drinker? Is he still drinking?
7: So we've been together twenty five years. When we met, he was a DJ, so we lived the party lifestyle for about five years, which was drink and drugs. We just partied had had a lot of fun and then we had the kids and we kind of it was that time when we weren't sure whether we kind of come through the other side uh whether we'd be able to sort of rein it in and but we stopped drinking stopped smoking to get pregnant basically which is which took a while then once we had the kids we kind of settled down a while but it i suppose meeting the mum the mums it was like the mum the wine mums were my friends and so we get together and drink wine and we kind of brought up our kids like that we used to go camping and we'd get drunk the kids have a great time and on January the 8th I did your course I'd been listening to your podcast for about a year and a half I guess before I did the course and I'd been reading books and I was just crying a lot really it was relating to a lot of what was being said and I absolutely loved the podcast I binged all of them And I think that's what spurred me on. So I feel like it's something I've wanted to do for a very long time because although I was a party girl, I actually really love the yoga, meditation side of things as well. Love spending time on my own, kind of. I've always been interested in that that side of things as well. So I stopped and Patrick said he would give it up for a month and do dry January. And to be honest, he just never went back to it, which was... um, A bit of a shock and he kind of, he's, he's, so he's done the same as me, except he's literally done none of the work. He's just done it quite easily, which is really annoying. But, um, and yeah, it's been, in a way I found it easy to give up alcohol. It wasn't, that wasn't an issue, but I think for us, it was, there was definitely some rocky months where it was just, what are we going to do now? because that was mm. literally our life. Like we were still, we still got loads of mates who party and drink and we were still doing that. And mm. yeah, I think it's just been that, okay, can we still do that? Do we still want to do that? So we actually probably had a bit of time out and then gradually we have sort of gone, we dip in and out now, I suppose. We have cards night with our friends, which is a weekday. So that's a bit less, they, they have a few drinks, but it's not crazy. And occasionally if we do get together when it is a bit more party party, to be honest, my husband just loves making non-alcoholic drinks. Like that is, we have everything, <laughs> That's like so we really, yeah. So we, we, we love the beers and we, I mean, I never drank beer, but I love, I found some really nice gluten-free beers, which are, which are really lovely. We make mocktails and we just spent a week in France with 70 people. And oh. honestly, I know, it was a bit crazy. It stayed in this sort of chateau. And it was brilliant. But I was worried about it before I went because I was really, really into wine. I loved wine. And I did have a little moment of, oh, it's going to be really weird. And is everybody going to be drinking wine? But actually, it wasn't like that at all. And in France, they had an amazing, like non-alcoholic section. I mean, better than here.
0: I mean, Damn. they're probably
7: full of shit but you know <laughs> we, we, we got them in we got the fizz in we got the wine in we got the beers in and I actually really still like having a drink especially in that party situation I like to look like I'm having drink you know it I don't have
3: want... alcohol in it yeah exactly yeah. exactly mm-hmm. that is so awesome so firstly yay for everyone listening who's planning trips to Europe because that comes up so much with people like I will go to Europe for now I'm going to do this So there's so, it's great to hear that there's so many options available. That's awesome. What I want to, and I also love that your husband's really into the non-alcoholic drinks. You guys should start your own TikTok. That's just what came to my mind. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) But also what's important and what I want to circle back to is where you said that there were times when you were kind of like, what the fuck now? Imagine it's almost like when the kids leave home and then you kind of, you're looking at each other going on now what? Who are you? So, what did you do with those times like where you were in that situation where you're like, well, fucking now what? What did mm. you do?
7: I mean, we I would say we kind of hunkered down for a while. We just sort of spent more time together. I mean, spent more time at home. I was definitely more present. He works a lot, you know, and he was basically more ragged. I mean, I don't really know how we were, how, I don't know how we did our life before. I mean, I, I really don't. So we just spent a lot more time having chilled weekends, which was like amazing. actually, Monday morning was not hideous, so that that was nice just just getting through the weekend and actually spending quality time together. I would say now it's taken still taking time to get to that bit of oh, what's our relationship? What are we doing? But when we went to France, we were really like partners in crime, like people were up drinking really late. And we go to bed at half past 11 with herbal tea every single night. And that was really really nice. Mm. We just went on a yoga retreat together last weekend, which honestly, I mean, we're very different. Me and my husband, I was listening to Alicia and thinking, God, that is so my husband, doesn't like walking, says I walk too fast. I've got lots of interests. He has got interests as well. But we, we sort of do different things. The yoga retreat was really interesting because again, I love that stuff. I, I I was in my element. And on the Saturday morning, he woke up and just sort of said, oh, yeah, I don't know if I'd do this again. And I was like, we haven't done anything yet. Like, it's Saturday morning <laughs> because he finds it quite hard to kind of relax. And he's like, oh, it's really sociable, this one. And I was like, yeah, it's quite unusual to be this sociable in a yoga retreat. But hmm. anyway, by the end of the weekend, he was so zen. And he was like, I'd definitely do it again. So I was a bit like, I'm not sure how I would feel about that. (laughs) Normally i go with girlfriends. (laughs) That's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, and we're going to Croatia in September for a week because the French trip was 70 people and it was not a holiday. So we're going to Croatia and that will be our first holiday on our own where we will not be drinking. And, I mean, we just can't wait. We were talking about it last night saying like we'll have, literally that we'll be getting up early. We'll have the morning, the afternoon, the evening. You know, we'll have the whole shebang. And that is freedom Mm -hmm. to kind of do whatever you want, whenever you want. (laughs) Having the energy to do it. Yeah, I think that's the uh, joy of not drinking. It's just like for me, it's a bit like when I gave up smoking. It's like that freedom. You're not constantly Mm -hmm. thinking about when you're going to do that next, when you're going to have another cigarette, when you're going to have your next drink, when I'm not going to drink. All of that has gone. So my yeah. whole life I feel is is just freed up. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. Um, pretty amazing.
5: Yeah, it's so
3: awesome. It is just freedom, isn't it? It's absolutely incredible. And look, I love that your partner is is willing to try things, like willing to go on this yoga retreat and willing to change his mind about it and willing to try the drinks. I think that's so awesome. So anyone whose partner perhaps is not being willing, play them that part of the podcast. Give <laughs> yeah. them a bit of a nudge or give them the dirty side eye. That's great, Nicola. I'm really looking forward to just seeing how you both progress. I think that's so awesome. Thank you for sharing. Thanks, Danny. Amazing. Thank you so much. Okay, so going over to Sarah
8: now, the other Sarah. How are you, Sarah? Good, thank you. That's great. So how long have you been sober? A mere eighty seven days. Yay. <laughs> so, Everyone's given their golf claps. You know, not that's quite so not quite awesome. in the hundreds. <laughs> Yet. Yet. <laughs> yeah.
3: So you were just on the last uh, challenge group, which is so awesome and so awesome to see here. And, and congratulations on how far you've come. It's amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. So tell us a bit about with your relationship, how it looks for you with you being sober. Is your partner still drinking?
8: Tell us a bit about it. He's really pleased <laughs> that I'm no longer drinking. Ours is a maybe slightly different story. I was sort of the daily drinker secretly drinking up to a bottle of wine a night and mostly managing to keep that fairly hidden and so it was a really big disconnect in our relationship and I've just I mean doubled down on all the guilt and shame stuff. In retrospect he'd been concerned um, you know for some time but probably hadn't known how to really say anything about it but would find the odd empty bottle of wine in places so it was a very uncomfortable thing between us and he's never he's been like some other people have mentioned the person who could have alcohol in the fridge but not drink it so it was a big relief to be able to I sort of started listening to the podcast by myself and I was sort of starting to feel pretty scared about where I was at so I just, like other people have said, sort of binged that and started to feel a lot more comfortable with the fact that it was going to be okay. And then was probably only a matter of weeks that I was able to sort of talk to him about it. And he was really good about it. Thank goodness. (laughs) Yeah. And has been very supportive. Yeah. Yeah. So does he drink? I didn't. He does, but he's never, I mean, none of us were big drinkers as teenagers or at university. I mean, it would be the odd time when he would have had way too much and got a bit silly. But generally, I mean, he's always been the sober driver and I'll always have had more at any kind of social situation. I have sort of social anxiety issues and it's I guess I don't think until recently that I've done any social event without alcohol but he has been able to no problem Mm -hmm. so he never drank a huge amount and he's pretty much alcohol free now too well he is yeah so my count is his count he's 87 days sober also yeah and enjoys the fact that he can have a beer any day of the week without feeling Mm -hmm. guilty Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I think I'm in a in a lucky situation and it's definitely helped my relationship because it's I don't have this big secret between me and him so much yeah yeah it's interesting I think so many people
3: think that their partner doesn't know sometimes how much they're drinking but most of the time they, they're kind of cuddling onto it and they do know and sometimes their partner doesn't know how to broach it and I'm sure so do you feel like when you decided to stop was there any part of you that was doing it for him to sort of make him sort no. of happy? or that no, was all you.
8: It was all me. I was, yeah, I knew it. I felt scared and I knew it had to stop. And yeah.
3: Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so great. Well, that's awesome, Sarah. And that's so great that he is being so supportive as well. Like, that's just amazing. It makes it, it does make it a lot easier. Mm. And uh, like I say, my relationship, Obviously, we quit at the same time. So I don't know how I would have gone, to be honest, if Ash hadn't. I was determined I was going to do it anyway. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, yeah, I guess it would have been tough. So it does definitely help when your partner's on board, 100%. But it's still doable, though, for people listening. If their partner is still drinking, it is definitely doable. And, again, it has to be a choice that comes from you and not doing it for anyone else. It's doing it for ourselves. Thanks so much, Sarah, for sharing that. Thank you. Before we go over to Shell, I just want to, I had this message the other day, so I thought I'd read this for out. Hi, Danny. Any tips for someone who is almost three years sober, but my partner still drinks and often lets me down when he drinks too much? I don't mind that he drinks. It's just that when he has too much and forgets that he has a family, well, the drinking takes a higher priority than being reliable and trustworthy. I think that sort of correlates with what Jade was talking about when if it is impacting you, then the best thing you can do is obviously support yourself through that, but then also having clear communication and really expressing how you feel about that, like how it makes you feel and what you'd sort of like out of your partner, what you need out of them. It's definitely, I mean, that's really affecting you when it's sort of forgetting that you've got your family and you're not being trustworthy. I mean, that's pretty impactful. There. Yeah, so all I could say really to that person as well is just I'd be definitely communicating that and, and having a real serious talk about it, perhaps placing some boundaries around that. Again, we can't ask the partner to stop, but we can definitely ask, you know, can you pull up a little bit or can you check in with me? Or That's hard also when someone's prefrontal cortex has gone offline. I don't know if they can actually check in. I certainly wouldn't have me checking in on anyone, but that is hard. That's a really hard situation. I just think all we, all you could really do here is just stay open and keep communicating how it makes you feel, and then maybe assess, I guess, where you're at if it keeps going. Shell, How are you, going, my friend? I'm really well, thank you. Well, you are all over this podcast at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know, and look, I had the the pleasure of uh, interviewing your partner James, your RB James, the other day, and we'll drop some of that into this podcast as well. But it was really interesting chatting with him about, you know, how you guys partied hard together and, yeah, and how, well, I'll let you tell the story, but how that sort of changed and how it is changing and and helping your relationship to revol- evolve, I guess. But tell us, Shell, so how long you've been sober, nearly two years. Yeah. And so, like I was just saying, so you and James kind of, you know, started by partying together and, yeah, but then you kind of progressed on. Yeah, I I kept the party going and he (laughs) looked
9: after the kids. (laughs) It was always a big part of who we were. We've been together since like 1903, so we have a long history and we didn't have a lot in common when we were sort of starting our relationship with each other, but we had the ability to have a drink or to have a laugh and those sorts of things. So... We did enable each other quite a bit. I remember many a conversation where I would say on the weekend, right, I think this week's going to be a dry week, and Jimmy would be like, oh, fuck, this will be fun. And then by midday on Monday, one of us or both of us had been to the Bottle and gone, oh, that was just a silly idea, wasn't it? So we were each other's kind of safety net around that area until I'd reached that point where I needed to really think about where I was going with my relationship with alcohol and I remember the night I told him that I'd signed up for the challenge and his face sort of dropped like the earth had about to suck him up and take away this fun loving wild wife of his and going to replace him with a fucking Karen and (laughs) Look, I'd really like to say that it's been a bed of roses. It's been a work in progress and we've we've had to approach it in that way because I think as a partnership and whether that is a, a marriage or a relationship or, or, or a team that you have, when you make big decisions in your life like buying a house or having children or changing jobs or moving interstate, you generally make those decisions together and you forge forward on this same path together when we make a decision in a relationship to change something as fundamental as an activity that you do together whilst you can have the scaffolding of an amazing partner or you can have a cheerleader that's got it for you you are growing in one direction and they possibly are not so you are ultimately moving in slightly different pathways even if you've got the support of each other and at times I, f- I felt that. James has been amazing. Like he has supported me along the way, but I did have times where I was like I'm growing and you're not or
7: mm-hmm. I'm putting
9: in the work and I'm starting to figure out who I am and I'm finding my voice and I'm finding some strength in, in the essence of Shell and I feel at times I might be leaving you behind. Yeah. And that can be quite challenging because – you're not outgrowing the relationship, you're outgrowing yourself in that relationship. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Say that again. You're not outgrowing the relationship, but you're outgrowing yourself in that relationship. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. 100%. So early on, I had to put in some boundaries. So James hasn't had a drink this year. So he's coming up for eight months, but he was still drinking as I went through the bulk of my sobriety. So I had to put in some pretty good boundaries for me because I was such a sneaky little day drinker. I needed to know that I had my own safety net around where stuff was in the house, but more so in the intimacy side of things. Like I had to say, you need to brush your teeth, dude, if you want to have sex because I'm not having sex. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Because you don't want to lose that. Like we're human and you love this person and you and you have these connections in in your relationship and in life and removing alcohol can change those and one of the ones that you fundamentally don't want to change is that intimate relationship that you have with someone that you love deeply and that you need to connect with on all levels. I just don't need to taste Smirnoff while you're doing
3: it. <laughs> what if he's drunk? Like would you do it? A- would you have sex with him if he was actually drunk? Look, <laughs> do men perform very
9: well when they're drunk?
3: <laughs> You're not.
9: You could probably say the next day, wow, that was wild, wasn't it? And they wouldn't have <laughs> <and> it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So I put in boundaries like that and, and I was really clear in stating my needs, which I think was a really big step for me altogether in the relationship, but just saying
3: I'm moving forward and this is how I, how I want it to be just wanted to add it's such an important boundary like no sex this is one thing that went on the grad's call the other week when we all talked about this There was quite a few in that group that said they just made this hard and fast rule if you if you're drunk when you're drinking we're not having sex that night like that was the boundary firm shutting up shop and, and try again when you're sober friend I was gonna say mate but some of the guys might have had that I can't remember now but yeah uh yeah it was it was a firm boundary and I think that's a great one like like you say, you don't want to have to smell the alcohol over them, and no, yeah, no. Alicia you know, Alicia touched on it before. When you start
9: having sex as a sober person, it is quite vulnerable because you most of us are used to having a reasonable amount of lubrication in, you, you know, in what we've drunken and hope. Is that a pun? In other places as well, if they're doing it right. So having having sex. I'm in perimenopause, man. <laughs> having relations with someone that you've been with even if you've been with someone for a really long time and you kind of they've seen the 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 good bad and the ugly when you haven't got that Dutch courage it's it's quite a places you outside of your comfort zone a little bit so to be Mm -hmm. doing that with someone who is either smelling of something that you don't like or is is slightly on a different planet than you are at any given time that can really contribute to where you are because you're not really connecting with each other you're, you're not on the same page or on the same sheets I tell you what is
3: sexy though when you do like iron it and you just like you're just doing it like you're really embodied and you're there and you're like confident and I think that's really that is sexy when you don't need the booze to give you that confidence to just to be there and be present and and like yeah really confident in your body and how you want the sex to sort of be, I reckon that's a lot sexier than just, you know. Absolutely, 100%.
9: So some of the things we have started doing now that we are, James is sort of on this similar path to me, is obviously we don't have the, the, the boozy lunches or the, you know, we used to have holiday Mondays where we would just make sure the kids were at school and we'd sort of start drinking at lunchtime and those sorts of things. We do a lot of fitness stuff together, but we've also started reading or listening to books and we come together on the weekend after a couple of chapters and debrief on what the book is. And some of that's been sobriety-based, some of that's been relationship-based, and it's really good because you get a whole new perspective and it's probably something that we would never have even contemplated doing as Drinking Jimmy and Shell, but it is a real eye-opener to what your partner thinks about the same words that you've read because we've come from such different places and have such different mm. opinions on those sorts of things I love that yeah one of the other things we've done is we've bought a pack of these conversation cards I don't know if you've seen these around and they're pack of about 52 cards and they cover all aspects of your relationship there's there's bedroom ones there's adventure ones there's relationship ones and every day you pull out a a card and it has a question on it and it's a really good conversation piece as well because you you get to remember stuff get to think about where you want to go you get to grow on it and I think even down the track you might possibly answer those same questions a little bit differently so that's just a little connectivity thing that we've kind of added in because we've got the space to do it now that we haven't got alcohol there but it's been a journey it's been a growth for both of us
3: I love that so early on did you expect James you know because you guys were drinking but it is even though you're drinking probably more than him in the end like did you put that expectation on him like he said that he's been sober for eight months how did you broach that with him like was it just like you stayed in your own lane and he did whatever he wanted or?
9: Yeah, I never had an expectation that he would stop and I didn't place that on him. I was very vocal about what I needed in the space to be successful but I didn't say I need you to do this for me or I want, you know, or I'm doing this for you because I don't think I don't think I have the right to ask someone to do it for any other reason than what they want to do it and I don't think if you're not in this game for yourself, I think that's fraught with danger.
3: hundred percent, Shell. Absolutely, hundred percent. It's got to be, yeah, like about you and your choice. I had a message from an another lady that came through on my Instagram and she was saying that she wants to quit but her partner still drinks and she's waiting for him, like she wants him to stop with her otherwise she won't quit. I thought, well, that's very interesting. And my response to that is that you can't kind of, like, I think that's sort of looking for excuses. Wouldn't you say, Shell? Like if someone's, I've got to wait for my partner to quit until I quit. Like what you just said, but it's it's not taking ownership of of what you want, right? Like if you want to quit, you can't wait around for everyone else or everything to be perfect so that you can do it. It's just like, if you want to do it, you do it. I think maybe using the excuse that my partner's not going to stop it's just an excuse, right? Would you agree, Shell? Yeah, absolutely. I think that gives you an internal permission slip to keep
9: drinking because I'm just waiting. We want to do it together. It's going to be a joint thing. It's going to be, this is what we're going to do. I'm just waiting for him. It's like saying,
0: I'm Mm -hmm. waiting
9: for the the gym to come to me so I can start working out, or I'm waiting for the cheesecake shop to stop selling that particular cheesecake or whatever it might be. It kind of gives you that little that just The wine bitch only needs a little bit of ammunition to get really, really loud. And, and if mm.
3: th- that's the, the dialogue that you're having, I think that that is definite out. Oh, absolutely. And I think you don't need to change anyone else in order to change yourself, right? At the end of the day, like if you want to change, it's about you and you making those changes. It's got nothing to do with anybody else. Like I said earlier, stay in your own lane. And it's easier to change yourself than it is trying to change other people. That's for sure absolutely,
9: <laughs> absolutely. it's it, it's so yeah. easy I think you have to do it for yourself and if you're fortunate enough that along the way your partner jumps on board that's amazing mm. but at the end of the day we're making choices for ourselves, and we have to be able to navigate through our relationship and I think the bulk of that comes down to being able to communicate and once we get in a sober space I think we would all agree that we can communicate so much better and with so much more clarity that we can express what our needs are and we can be really receptive to the needs of our partner as well. I know me as a Mm -hmm. drinker, like once I got my back up or I didn't want to have a conversation about it, it was like, nah, not happening,
3: not happening. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's so true. Yeah, with the sobriety comes clarity and with the clarity, you know, we have clarity about our feelings. We have clarity, much more clarity around communication, our own emotions and expressing those. So whether it reveals like I said, the deficits in the relationship or whether it helps the relationship grow, either way, as scary as it might be, particularly if it's the first one, it's still going to be a good thing for you in the long run, most likely, even though it probably that seems super scary for some people. But just like with Deb, it was like she kind of knew that that was possibly going to, what was going to happen and and she kind of faced that. So, yeah, that's amazing. So well done, guys. Thank you so much for sharing your stories with us and and especially such intimate details about your relationship, your sex life and other things. So that's amazing. So And I'm sure everyone will get a lot out of this. So many awesome insights and really different perspectives and different effects that our sobriety has had on different relationships. And obviously I'm aware that it all looks very different for different people and different relationships and this is just a small cross-section. I caught up with James recently to chat to him about how Michelle's sobriety has had an effect on him. When you noticed that something in her had changed before the end of the challenge, how did you feel about that? Is it a bit scary like when your partner sort of changes a bit? I mean, even though you said you know that she goes into things 100%, was that uncomfortable? Were you worried? How does that feel when you notice your partner changing a bit?
2: I wasn't really worried. I think, if anything, it was a pleasant surprise because, yeah, that year or two before that, it sort of dulled a bit and lost a bit of that spark that I knew she had. And it was starting to come back again. So I guess the only thing I was worried about that was that it was just going to completely change our whole dynamic, you know, everything. But didn't really, it just brought back a spark that I knew was always there. It just been dulled for a while. So it kind of drove me to think about what I was doing a bit more. When you've been together so long, kind of, you're always holding on to what was different before, and you've just got to work out how to not do that, mm-hmm. you know, because what we are like now is not who we were when we were 18. It's So far from that, it's not funny. And there's been half dozen changes along the way. So you kind of just know that this is another one and you just have to work out how to deal with it.
3: That's such sage advice too, because when you're with someone for a long time, I mean, Ash and I have been together for over 20 years now, and you do change. Like We met when we were 24, and we've changed mm-hmm. so much since then, and luckily a lot of our growth has happened together. But I agree that you can't... And Who would want to be the same person as you were when you were 18 or 24 years old? I think some people really fucking freak out when they see their partner change a bit. But what you just said there is so beautiful. And for people listening, I think this is really important that when we we see the changes in our partner, unless it's so like too much that we just can't handle it, but to accept it and to give it space to sort of grow and then to kind of see, you know, okay, well, where to from here for us? It sounds like you were in a place of, of acceptance and just willing to let the changes happen. Would I be right in saying that?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, as I said, Quite opposite personality. So we've changed each other over the years as well. So we've had positive and negative influences on each other, which have mm. changed who we are. So, sure, you're always going to hang on to those fun times that you had or have a memory of a big night or whatever and think, oh, that's never going to happen again. We're never going to have Holiday Friday again or whatever. But you do, you just, it's just different. Probably taken a couple of years to readjust to that and, and work out how you do the same things without drinking.
5: Yeah, doing the same things without drinking,
3: which you realise, funnily enough, I can do. It's just different.
2: Yeah, very. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I haven't totally stopped, but I basically have. So just the rule is we don't have it in the house anymore. And if you don't go out much, then you don't drink. I had a month off, I think, late last year leading up to Christmas, because I knew that we had family coming home in December and January was going to be a big time. And I was just getting to that point where it just wasn't fun anymore.
3: Well, I guess if you've lost your drinking budding too, it's, maybe it does take the sheen off in a little bit. It changes it for you.
2: Yeah. I never said, oh, I never put a rule on it. I never said I'm going to stop. I never said i am going to do a month. I just basically said I'm not going to have it at home. And that's it. I've had a couple of instances where we've been interstate or whatever and had a couple, but other than that, pretty much stopped as well. So I think that's probably the way I'm going as well. It's just, it's speed, alcohol free from now on.
3: Right. Uh, that's really great, though, too. How you can just kind of slowly adapt into what kind of into what Shell's doing, and just make changes. And I find that happens a lot with people that have done the challenge, or people that have coached that that they stop, and their partner usually ends up either a cutting down dramatically just because they've lost their drinking buddy, or or they stop and they just end up joining the partner. So it's it's really cool because if the partners sort of willing to let the changes happen and be open to it. There's great benefits for them too. So, how are you feeling? Like, have you noticed a difference in how you feel just having cut down
2: so much? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny. It's Sort of at the time, I didn't think it was slowing me down at all. I mean, you'd go to work hungover. As you get older, you just you take days to recover and that sort of thing. And you realize that the first drink the next day is what gets you through. And then just like this is not right. But I guess now the one thing I say to gel time, it's, it just feels like had more time now. Like every day at work used to feel like a rush to get home to have a drink. Whereas now it's just like, only oh, get there when you get there. You definitely have more energy, more focus. You decide to do something and do it. You don't procrastinate for six weeks.
3: Having more time, I mean, that's just so amazing. Like when we have more time and more energy, we're not kind of bogged down by it anymore. It just feels so different. Like it's amazing. So tell me how it was. I mean, this is, the, I guess, the most burning question that most people have is that, how was it for you when you start to realize I've lost my drinking buddy? So on your Friday night or on your weekend when you're used to having this person that was drinking with you and partying with you, suddenly they're not doing that anymore. Was there a part of you that missed that part of Shell?
2: Yeah, there was, definitely. There were certain freedoms, I guess, that you kind of were missing and you'd lost as far as fun nights and the flexible attitude towards the budget you realise after a while that it's just not real. Like towards the end of uh, drinking, you're losing more and more hours to just both of us, one or both of us being just out of control or asleep or whatever. So you kind of look at that and just go, well, it's not, it's no fun either.
3: It's really true though what you say that if one or the other is drinking a lot or you're both drinking a lot, it is pretty fucking boring actually. Like it's Groundhog Day, it is fairly fucking boring. And maybe the first couple are okay. But then after that, like if one passes out or one becomes an asshole or one disappears on the phone all night, drunk dialing their friends, it's not that fun anyway. So, what are you actually losing?
2: At that stage where she was starting earlier and earlier, by seven o'clock at night, it was dark. Like, little... dark. You know, I would probably just sit there and be drinking by myself anyway at that
5: And that's no fun.
2: No. No, not at all. Um, but again, it was it was just this matter of, well, this is what we're doing.
3: So now looking at Shell and how far she's come and she's two years down the track and you, do you feel like you're getting the old Shell back? You said that there was she'd lost a bit of her spark a couple of you know years before she'd stopped drinking. How's things now? How's things for you guys now? How do you feel about seeing her so kind of empowered and emboldened as she is?
2: Yeah, it's funny actually. She's the same, but totally different at the same time. So she's mm. become much more confident person, which she always appeared to be, but I kind of knew that a lot of it was an act, not so much an act, but it was, it was fueled by obviously alcohol, but it was fueled by a need to be part of the party and, and to be liked by everyone. and mm. So on and so on. Whereas now it's the confidence of, well, this is me and I'm doing what I want to do and, the rest of you out there can love it or not. So she still has the same positivity and confidence that she had before. It just comes from like,
5: yeah. And how do you feel about that?
2: Oh, it's awesome. I mean, I know that it's that it's real and it's her, and that she's a lot more confident around. I don't want to say criticism, but discussions that we have amongst ourselves, or you know, issues that we might have together, it doesn't get its not the right word—but she doesn't take things on board as personally or as as attacks, criticisms like she might have done in the past.
5: Yeah, and I think that's
3: a lot to do with, I guess, sort of the work that you do in sobriety when you learn to kind of notice your own triggers and notice your old core wounds. And if that's the thing that's showing up, you're able to calm that a little bit more, and also just having that sense of clarity—like you're kind of you're not so shitty all the time you have that clarity. So you're able to kind of be the witness and just kind of okay, I can take this on board. I don't have to take it so personally and that's okay. And I think that's one of the beautiful gifts of sobriety as well. It's like a leveling out almost that we don't fluctuate so much with our moods. I mean, we still do, of course, but it's it's definitely more level. Yeah, that's great. That's so beautiful and so good that you can recognize that. So James, what would you, I mean, look, I know everyone's different and every circumstance is different, but what would you say to someone who was feeling reluctant about their partner quitting booze?
2: I think the first thing you'd need to be thinking about is how well you are connected, how well you know the person and whether you're able to say the things you need to say. As I said, for me, it was tricky because the air of defensiveness that she had around drinking, but just around anything, meant that you had to sort of temper what you said or work out a way to word it that wasn't going to be taken the wrong way. So I guess the first thing you have to do is work out how to, how to approach it, how to actually bring the issue
0: up.
3: And if also, I mean, that's great. That's really good. Like thinking about how we're going to talk about this. I always think it's good for the person to come at it on their own. But let's just say the person has said, okay, no, I need to take a break. And it's sort of hitting the stuff of the other partner. They're feeling a bit scared about their partner changing or they're scared of losing their drinking buddy. I mean, what would you say to them in that instance?
2: You just have to roll with it. In the end, it's the same as in, in anything that comes up in a in a long-term relationship like that. If someone wants to do something. Yeah, you have to roll with it, but you also maybe look at why you're worried about losing your drinking pot.
3: Also, some great insights from James there. It's good to hear from a, a man's perspective. Unfortunately, we didn't get any of the the male grads to join our call that night. So that was a bit of a shame not to hear some of their perspectives. However, like I say, it's a good cross section and it's a good conversation to keep on having and Feel free to drop me a message. Let us know how your sobriety has affected your relationship, if it has at all, for the good or the bad. And obviously, I think the main message that I would put out with this podcast today is kind of stick to your own lane. If you're choosing sobriety, you have to remember that your partner is probably losing their drinking buddy. Just because you're going sober doesn't actually mean that they have to. Perhaps they're not ready yet. Perhaps they need to see the good changes in you first until they feel like okay a lot of the case seems to be that once someone's been sober for a while their partner then kind of joins them eventually so I think if you stick to your own lane you are happy with your choice and you're living your best life then most likely your partner might join you if they're ready or they might just cut down their alcohol consumption which is great and hopefully it doesn't impact your relationship in the negative the other thing I would say is it's very important to keep communication open so keep checking in with your partner how's it going for them and when you can also express your needs too. let them know how there needs to be a boundary it's it's okay to say look can you drink somewhere else especially in early sobriety until you're getting your head around it and so hopefully the partners are understanding as well and like I say it is different for everybody yeah it's a big thank you to some of the how alcohol graduates again for sharing their insights and for just wanting to help spread the word and hopefully it eases some questions that some of the people had and hopefully you guys found this episode interesting enlightening or informative see you next week